Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Seth Porges drops by to talk about his 2020 with Class Action Park. What Josh is looking forward to in 2021. And hold on! I almost forgot to give my best of pop culture for this year. All this and more as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, support, or do anything that you can to help us out here at Pop Culture Cosmos, popculturecosmos.com, and Pop Culture Cosmos out there in social media land, it is truly appreciated. Plus, also as well, just give you again a heads up, if you're into daily fantasy sports betting and player props, you can just head over to our new friends at thrivefantasy.com or download the Thrive Fantasy app onto your phone today. And with this, you can go ahead and bet on NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball when it comes back, PGA, and eSports. Bet on your favorite players, the ones that you know each and every day. You can go ahead and do so. And with your first deposit, if you type in the letters LFB upon checkout, you'll go ahead and get a matching Buy Thrive Fantasy for up to $50. That's right. They'll match it dollar for dollar. Up to $50, as long as your first deposit is over $20, just use the code LFB. That's from our friends at Thrive Fantasy. Well, it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. It's our own happy Josh here from Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His awesome book, Congratulations, You Suck, which is now available at Barnes & Noble. And of course, Amazon, you can go ahead and catch his show's Topic Ocalypse, where they just dropped a new show, and also the Super BS Gamescast. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? Hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and are on their way to having a Happy New Year. Going into 2021, man, we need the shift of year, which will hopefully come with a new shift in perspective. Just glad to be here. It can't come soon enough for 2021. I rest assured. I know a lot of people are looking forward to the new year. I know I am as well. But it is going to be a great show we have for you today. We got a lot of stuff to talk about on today's program. 
including Josh's picks for the new year. Since he is so looking forward to 2021, I'm going to talk about the best I saw in pop culture for 2020. And we'll also be talking to Seth Porges, the director of Class Action Park. He's going to be on the back half of the show talking about his 2020 and the reception that he's gotten from Class Action Park. Plus, he might drop some hints for his future as well. But my friend, we're going to first start off the conversation today with Wonder Woman and Soul, which did hit. And we talked about a little bit on our Friday show, the PC Multiverse. It actually hit in theaters. Well, I guess I don't know how you could say nationwide, chainwide. When your box office marketplace is in such disarray, basically at this point in time, you're going to try and get anything you can out of it. And even though in most theaters they're reduced to 35% capacity or below, and even though Wonder Woman did debut day and date on HBO Max, didn't do quite bad at all. 16.7 million for a weekend for Wonder Woman. I think at this point in time, Warner Brothers is going to take anything they get. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. Wonder Woman 1984, it's out there, it's trending, it's gotten a lot of support and a lot of subscriptions. I did have to say you do have to pay for a subscription. There's no free trials, unfortunately. Just want to mention, we are going into spoiler territory here. Did you have a chance to check out Wonder Woman 1984? I did. We just finished it yesterday. Oh, awesome. What were your thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984? Okay, so to start off, I did enjoy it from just an entertainment standpoint. Initially, I was like, oh, maybe I like that better than the first one. But I also can't tell if that's because, you know, I haven't seen like a new movie in so long. So just keep that in mind as I'm talking. All right. So here's here's my thoughts. Love the theme that it's based on. Right. I love the the whole concept of the monkey's paw, which they even like mention in the movie. Right. This whole idea where like every wish has a consequence. Right. Every action has a reaction. Like, and they they uh, Gal Gadot mentions that, too. Right. And that's where the guy has the wish stone he says i'll give you anything you want but i'm going to take what's most important to you so i love the theme of that love the cinematography like the colors really just like popped in this i've always loved this even in the uh, the first one the way that they filmed the mascara right they have all these bright vibrant colors like just in the way that the things in their culture kind of pop and shine loved uh linda carter's cameo in there that was really cool all right, so now I want to move on to like some of the things that I'm a little more critical of. Okay, so here's the first part. I loved the parts with Chris Pine, right? They were really funny. They kind of brought like a comedic element to the movie that was kind of reminiscent of like 90s action films, right? Like that part where he's in the car and she's kind of stopping it, about to get crushed between the two uh, assault vehicles, and he comes in and puts the car in there. It's just... It's funny. It's kind of like a has a buddy cop vibe to it. So I really enjoyed that part. In the end, though, like it kind of made Chris Pine's revival seem a little pointless. I know it was meant to purvey a point, but it makes it seem pointless in the fact that like, why are you bringing back a character that's dead and getting us attached to him and developing him more as a character if he's just not going to mean anything in the end? Yeah, I really enjoyed Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. Yeah, I really enjoyed her part. It was interesting to see like how she developed as she like sacrificed her humanity to basically become like Gal Gadot and then she wanted to be the apex predator. 
love how it was so ambiguous whether or not like she gave up both of her wishes in the end or just one wish. My biggest complaint in the movie is Pedro Pascal. Loved his acting in the film, but I don't feel like his character was written very well. You know, like we all make mistakes. We all want things. But in the end, it's they made it seem that like, oh, yeah, this whole thing was just a mistake. It cost so many lives and all that. But it's just a big mistake. And then they don't specify like whether or not he gets in trouble in the end. I don't know. It's just like it kind of suffered from the same thing the first one did, had that big buildup and then nothing really happened in the end, you know, minus the fight with Gal Gadot and Cheetah, which was really cool. Final complaints is the part where she's flying. I know she has the invisible jet, love the call out to that. But when she's spinning the rope around and pulling herself across the sky, like I don't know how I feel about that. It was cool, but it just it didn't really seem to serve a purpose when she had like the the wingsuit at home i would have much rather seen her like flying around in that as opposed to like whipping her her rope around and kind of like gliding so overall i mean i give the movie probably like an 8.5 tell me what your thoughts are and let's let's bounce some uh, conversation back and forth here i remember the first time you and i spoke of after we saw the original wonder woman and i remember me being on it a little bit higher than you the original wonder woman for me pretty good movie it drew too much from captain america the first avenger in my opinion and i know with you you still liked it but you didn't like it as much as i did well flash forward to today and it sounds like with your score of 8.5 that's quite a substantial bit higher than what i would actually rate the movie i will say the performances were very strong I'm going to start off by saying Gal Gadot and Chris Pine were terrific together. They have a great chemistry on screen. And Chris Pine stole the movie. He just was fantastic. I understand that they wanted to shoehorn him in there any way they could get him in there. So they used this premise to try to get him to return. What they were given with was not so outstanding. And I think the monkey's paws premise that you enjoyed, I think for me, fell flat. I thought they could have used a better premise. I do like the the 1984 surroundings. Obviously, uh, being a 1980s kid, uh, anytime we can go ahead and get some type of uh, return to that, I do appreciate it. But I think the premise of the monkey's paw fell flat for me. I agree with you on Pedro Pascal's character. I think he did a terrific job. Just what he was given to work with, I thought was not very good. I mean, they were all just fantastic as yeah, far as in their roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just what they were given with was just not that great. I don't, I'm not going to bag on the CGI for Kristen Wiig's Cheetah character. I don't think it's Cat's level bad. I just thought it was okay. I, I just didn't think it was that it was, bad. I didn't think yeah, it was that it, good. It was dark, so it was like hard to really see it. But I would think right now, for me, I'd probably have to give it a six and a half. I would just what I'm right now. That's just basically based off the performances because I think the movie itself with little things in there as well thrown in that I think was very unnecessary. I think the premise for me was stretched out with the monkey's paw yeah. and the wishing and you can get everything you want, but it's taken away from you. I think it was just a, a hard stretch for me. And I, I would have liked a different scenario during the 1980s era there. But again, what they were given with for me was just disappointing disappointing per se yeah i mean and you know i don't know if that's due to covid or or what happened with that but again like it entertained me but it ended with a whole lot of plot holes and inconsistencies that they didn't even bother to like explain they just kind of 
move past it. You know, like when you uh, see something like broken on the ground, you're like, oh, well, I'll just go buy a new one. Right. You don't even like bother to pick up the pieces or try to put it back together. But like to me, it felt like it was able to stand on its own, you know, like it was its own thing. It, it didn't feel like Captain America like the last one did. It didn't feel like it had any like bigger ties to the DC universe. Oh, yeah, it, it had its own identity. I yeah. Give you mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess like it entertained me. If I had to choose one to watch again, I would probably watch this one again over the first one. It's OK, but it ended up for me being just OK. And that's something that. I thought goes down it's a step down for me from what I thought was a pretty good movie the last time around. So those are our thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984. And if you have your thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984, we want to hear them. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos along with my good friend, Mr. Happy Josh here himself, Josh Peterson. Well, it was a year. That's for sure in 2020. I know we had to stay indoors a lot more than what we were planning to because of the coronavirus and everything that's going on. And so we got a chance to check out a a lot of things that were on the TV. Didn't get a chance to check out as many movies as I normally would. So my list, I had to pare down on the movies to from a normal top 10 to now a top five. But I still have plenty of TV shows to watch. For movies, I still have to go ahead and check, and we'll, I'll probably get a chance to do so before our Oscar predictions, which you know Josh and I do each and every year right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So I'm going to have to still see Nomadland, One Night in Miami, Minari, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. All four of those movies have gotten great acclaim across the board, so I'm going to have to go check out each of those movies before Oscar time. So that's definitely something I'm planning on doing. I saw playing more than 10 movies. But unfortunately, I didn't see more than five really good standout movies. Now, again, Wonder Woman 1984 was kind of a disappointment. Netflix movies that were there, a lot of them were just action fair, mindless popcorn stuff. So here's what I have as far as the best in pop culture for movies for 2020. Number five, Tenet. Tenet just barely makes the list for me. It was overall a pretty good film it takes a while you have to be very patient i mean people are going to be leaving the theaters or leaving the room like my daughter did in the very beginning because it's very hard and confusing to follow you know and that's obviously by design for christopher nolan but for me it was a visual and sound experience and i enjoyed it immensely and finally explains itself almost two hours in I stayed with it. I stayed through it. And if you do, I think you're going to enjoy it. But again, it takes a long time in doing so. But for me, it was worth the wait and it was worth the actual going and trying to understand everything that's going on as far as the whole premise of Tenet, the time variance. I want to go ahead and tell everybody that Tenet is worth your time. It just have to be patient. You just have to be patient in watching Tenet. Palm Springs is at number four. 
Adam Sandberg, he actually did a very good job in this film. J.K. Simmons, uh, you know, just everybody on the cast did a very good job of it in sort of a weird Groundhog Day type scenario that keeps on going and going and reliving the same day over and over and over again. But it is something that is definitely worth watching. It's a new twist on that Groundhog Day scenario. So I enjoyed my time with Palm Springs. And for a while, this was my number one movie by default because there really wasn't a whole lot else that out there for me that I truly enjoyed and wanted to talk about. Pixar's Soul is at number three for me. Soul is a re- truly a good film. In fact, it's one of the better Pixar movies that have come out for me. I enjoyed it. And I will say that it is, again, like all Pixar movies, very emotional, but still very much worth the time that you get to go ahead and spend on it. I do recommend Pixar Soul to anybody out there. The music and the colors. I know you talked about with the cinematography of Wonder Woman 1984. I could go on with the colors, how beautiful this movie looks and the way it sounds. And the story is pretty good as well. I was actually curious about this. Would you say it's close to in comparison to Inside Out, where like it has a great message about you know what it means to be human and mental health, but it goes off into some dark it's realms? Not, it doesn't go into more... heaviness uh, as much heaviness as Inside Out. It does go a little bit in that direction, but it never okay. gets as heavy or never gets as impactful as Inside Out. I think that's probably what I like to say about it. It doesn't go as dark as Inside Out. It doesn't go as emotional. Inside Out is a tearjerker from halfway on. You're just tearjerking from halfway on because it's such an emotional gut punch. This doesn't really go all the way to do that. It stays a little bit lighter, but it's still a very effective movie in what it's trying to tell about humanity and the afterlife and everything of that nature. So as far as in the Pixar realm, and I know we've had our list before, it's in the top 10 for me in Pixar, but it's not going to be up there as one of the best, but it's still a very, very good movie. And I I highly recommend it. And in a year that doesn't have as many good outings, I think this is definitely one of the best that's out there. And I think people should check it out and it's definitely worth your time. And it's always, you're going to be able to tear up at the end with a Pixar movie. So. Okay. I'm interested. I want to watch it. So I'll probably give it a view this week and I'll, uh, I'll let you know my thoughts, but yeah, it sounds good to me. And number two for me is Borat's subsequent movie film. This is a movie I know would be on my top 10 list at any given point in year because this one just rocked the house, made me laugh. Maria Bakalova just absolutely killed it. Obviously, Borat himself, Sasha Baron Cohen, was terrific in the movie, but Maria Bakalova is what made this movie so special. Again, I want to say Borat's subsequent movie film is definitely something you should go out of your way to see. It is hilarious, and it tells a great story. It's much better than the first. To me, it's much better than the first. The first one, I am not a huge fan of. The concept of the whole fish out of water from a a foreign country and causing a great havoc, it got old to me during the course of that movie. This movie, it doesn't. I liked it a lot, and and obviously the relationship, that's a sub-layer within the confines of that movie made it even more special for me. So that's Borat's subsequent movie film right there for you at number two. And number one is also, I think, Josh's number one of the year, and that is Class Action Park. And it's not just because Seth Porges is on the show, but I will say for us, 
Class Action Park was the most emotional roller coaster ride, a movie that we weren't even expecting to watch. A movie that just a few weeks before I saw it, I didn't even know about anything about a class action park. And I lived through the 80s and I didn't even know anything about it. So it's something that if you have HBO Max now that you're watching Wonder Woman 1984, I highly, highly, highly recommend Class Action Park. It is really, really damn good. Josh? Yes. So Class Action Park, again, like it is a documentary for people who don't like documentaries. It's, It's a gateway documentary. If you have not seen any documentaries, this is a, a great place to start because it's entertaining, it's tragic, it's, it has everything that makes a good movie. And this is how I always describe it to people. It's like with the subject matter, it's like when you see a car accident and like you know you, you should like go get help, but you can't stop watching it happen. And I mean that in the best possible way. Like it is just is a fantastic experience. It actually is one of those rare movies that surprises me entertains me shocks me and makes me laugh and also gets me teared up because of all the different things that are going on it brings out so many different emotions and i do highly recommend class action park so yes those are my five movies class action park at number one borat subsequent movie film at number two soul number three palm springs number four and tenet number five for tv series i'm gonna go from ten to one Number 10, Action Figure Adventure. It's a spiritual sequel to Rob McCallum's most famous documentary, Nintendo Quest. Doesn't carry the emotional weight of it, but still, it's a fun ride. So hopefully you get a chance to check it out here in the States eventually. I know it's playing in Jinx TV in Canada, but I did get a chance to check it out. And Action Figure Adventure falls at number 10, Umbrella Academy is number nine really good premise this time around going to texas trying to go ahead and delve into the jfk assassination the storylines that were all spread apart and that all came together at the very end i really enjoyed the umbrella academy star trek lower decks was a slow burn for me but it really got good and the latter half of the episodes of the season were simply outstanding so i highly recommend the animated star trek lower decks I think it is the best of all the Star Trek shows, and that includes Discovery and Star Trek Picard for 2020. Star Trek Picard was like, eh, was eh, was okay. Star Trek Discovery was eh, okay. But Star Trek Lower Decks really got very good at the very end for me, so I do highly recommend Star Trek Lower Decks to anybody that hasn't caught it out there on CBS All Access or wherever they can get it. So I do highly recommend Star Trek Lower Decks. At number seven is Lovecraft Country. HBO's Lovecraft Country, very, very good at combining of the reaffirmation of, of how terrible things were as far as racial injustice, as far as how people and humans were treated during that course of time, but combining it with the new element of trying to not only inform and educate but how terrible it was and how we can change that for the future and be better people if we go ahead and do so. You know, obviously taking the works of H.P. Lovecraft and combining those elements in there. So I truly enjoyed not only what I learned, but also what I was entertained by with Lovecraft Country. So hopefully you'll check it out on HBO Max and HBO and all that. The Vow, speaking of HBO, and HBO had a lot of good stuff. 
Laval dealing with the inner workings of Nixum over the course of many years. A lot of inside videos and things of that nature that you would normally get during a docu-series of this type. Laval, it's a good watch. Uh, it's really interesting and intriguing. And if you're ever wondering about the Nixum inside scandal, inside cult, as it were, as far as the inner workings of it for the last 20 years, up until the time everything went haywire, and the leader now of this cult is now going to be in jail for quite a bit, well over 100 years. It gives you a deeper insight into this whole Nixon cult, this whole Nixon operation and organization and how it was structured and how it was laid out. So it's very educational, very interesting, and also very binge-worthy. It is the Val. It's on HBO and HBO Max as well. Superstore been a high advocate of this show, but I think this is the series' best year, even though it had to be incompleted and fragmented because of coronavirus. I think the first two episodes primarily are some two of the best episodes that they've ever done that touched on not only the coronavirus and how retail outlets handle it. I think it was a very good statement in that fashion. And then also as well, the next episode with lead character America Ferrara's leaving I understand that the series has been canceled because of America Ferrara's leaving. So they feel they're going to go ahead and just to finish out the rest of the season, maybe a special, maybe a spinoff. We hear rumors on that, but Superstore, if that's the case, is going to close out with one of its best seasons. And I do highly recommend it. McMillions. If you did not see McMillions, it's the inside on McDonald's. Winners, those contests from the 80s and 90s is from those Monopoly games. And this tells you about the inside as far as the fixing that went on in those contests and how McDonald's wasn't even aware of it. So it is really intriguing. It's also very entertaining. It's light. It's funny, but also very good. It is McMillions. And it's also, I believe, on HBO and HBO Max. And HBO killed it this year with me. I don't know why, but HBO did. I've got more coming up from HBO coming up here in a sec. The Boys which Josh and I absolutely love, had just a great a season in season two. If this would have been last year, it might have even been my number one show. You never know. But the boys had a fantastic year, had a lot of improvements, got a chance to delve deeper into storylines, start off, uh, I guess, doing more character building. So some people say it was a little slow to start off with. But now that they know that they're one of the hottest shows in television, they now can actually structure the series for television and they can actually structure a series with a future in mind and i really think that at by the end everything went you know blank blank crazy and it was just a very good watch for me do you have any thoughts on the boys how was it for you overall uh, i was good i still have like three episodes left on the second season but yeah it's a great show it's very aware of itself and it's aware of the limits that it has and it just it portrays you know, like Eric Kripke said, like it portrays heroes as being people that you can't always rely on. Like it shows you that you have to learn to kind of rely on yourself. People aren't always going to be there to save you. And I think that that's kind of an important lesson to learn. That's also kind of tainting something that seems pure at the moment. But yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of good storytelling in it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Again, it was another outstanding season for the boys. And that is my number three show for 2020. Number two, Mandalorian. To me, number two and number one, you could pretty much pull over a blanket because number two, Mandalorian for me was truly outstanding. I enjoyed every episode. Even the episodes that weren't as strong were still very good. 
was much better than season one, which had a couple stinkers. In fact, one real stinker in particular in Tatooine episode mixed in with really, really good episodes. This year had good, really good or great episodes. And obviously it ended up on a finale that everybody is talking about. So The Mandalorian is number two, just a sensational job by Dave Filoni and John Favreau. So uh, awesome time. You, have you finished The Mandalorian yet? No, one episode left. I'm getting there slowly. I heard great things, but I just haven't had a chance to uh, kind of check the whole thing out yet. But the Robert Rodriguez episode, really cool. And I've been loving seeing all the extras with that episode. You know, I don't know if you've seen the video of him playing the guitar and the little baby Yoda puppets kind yep. of dancing along to it. Really cool. Again, that's number two for me. That is The Mandalorian. This is the way for The Mandalorian. It is a very, very, very close number two. And number one is Watchmen. I think the Watchmen from HBO and HBO Max, simply outstanding. The production values are incredible. This series was just truly outstanding from beginning to end. The stories that it told and Regina King's character is just truly mesmerizing as far as what she's doing on screen. She captivates the screen and commands it. Everybody involved is very good on it. And I just I cannot say enough great things about Watchmen and it was something that was great. It was something that was really great. I cannot say enough great things about Watchmen. It was close between The Mandalorian and The Watchmen. Well, there was a lot to watch here as far as a lot of TV shows. I know movies maybe weren't that prevalent, at least good ones, but TV shows, I think there was a lot out there, so I can understand. But please, if you catch up with it, it is highly recommended, and that is The Watchmen at number one. So that's my list for pop culture obviously we've talked about video games this year obviously we've talked about wrestling with ryan john tabasco and i will still have further conversations with ryan coming up here i'm going to drop a special pcc extra here with the rest of our conversation on tag teams and matches of the year along with jessica boggs and also as well knowing and fine talking about wonder woman but jessica boggs on her thoughts on the best of television for 2020. So I'm going to throw that as a PTC extra coming up here during the week. But yes, Josh, just a very interesting year in 2020. Any last thoughts before we head to the break? No, I mean, there's there's been a lot of good stuff out there, and it sounds like 2021 is going to have you know some equally uh, interesting things coming out, but more big-budget items. So hopefully that will be something good. Uh, yeah, 2020 is... It had some ups and downs, you know, as a roller coaster, whereas 2019 had a lot of ups, you know, considering Endgame came out. So it's just it's been a weird year for sure. That it has been, my friend, that it has been. What was your best for pop culture in 2020? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Coming up next, right after the break, it is Seth Porges, the co-director of Josh and my number one movie of the year. That is Class Action Park, now available on HBO Max. He's coming up to talk about his year with Class Action Park and what he might have in store for fans out there coming up in 2021 and beyond. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, 
it's that time of the year. That time of the year, we recognize the best of 2020. And I know a lot of people have their best of lists, best of this, best of that, best of everything for 2020. And it's been such a roller coaster year of such great emotions, both sad and happy for everyone out there in pop culture. But I wanted to go ahead and bring on a guest today. And he has a movie which is going to be appearing, if it hasn't already, on many best of lists, including right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But I will tell him right now, and if he didn't get a chance to hear it already, on our Monday show on the Pop Culture Cosmos, my co-host, Josh Peterson, in his best of pop culture for 2020, when he mentioned a whole plethora of things from streaming to video games to music, he only mentioned one thing from the world of film, and that was this movie right here. It is Class Action Park from HBO Max that you can find right now if you go ahead. And I know everybody out there is going to get a subscription here if they haven't already. If you're going right now to HBO Max, besides Wonder Woman, there is an excellent film, which is going to be on several best of lists. And I'll go ahead and tell him right now, this is something he might want to put someday on the box quotes, as it were, for a DVD or Blu-ray release. This is what Josh said, my co-host Josh Peterson. And I quote, it's like a gateway drug. Like this could open the door for so many people who've not watched a documentary because it's so enthralling. It's mesmerizing in every aspect. It is Seth Porges <laughs> from Class Action Park. Seth, oh good to have God. you back on the You're show. You're killing me. Thank you. I mean, that I couldn't set it better my myself. <laughs> I, oh I was my thinking God. of something because I already said that in the interview with you. I was already thinking yeah. what to say. And you're already going to be on one of my best of lists. I'm just going to tell Thank you that you. right now. I appreciate uh, that. But I, I won't tell you where until after we go off the air. But <laughs> uh, for him, it was the only thing he mentioned from the world of film. And, you know, I turned him on to this. I told him to go check this out. And he said in his conversation with someone else in regards to this film, those were the words he used. And he doesn't like documentaries unless it's video game oriented. And for him to go and step out and watch this, it now got him interested in watching other documentaries. And I'm sure he is not the only one, and I am not the only one to tell you and praise this movie for what it is and what it has done for a lot of people's lives, especially in 2020 because of all the stuff that's gone on. Since we have spoken, the movie has obviously garnered a lot of praise and a lot of viewing on HBO Max. What has it been like for you in the past couple months? It's It's been awesome it's i mean as awesome as this hellscape of a year can be i suppose but it's been awesome it's been unreal it's been abstract because you know we're all kind of sitting at home right now that really means a lot like i just want to like sincerely tell you that i'm touched and i and i thank you guys for that that that's all we really want you know when we make movies is for it to not just entertain people sure it'd be amazing but to affect people and to cause some sort of emotion any sort of emotion and so like i'm i'm <laughs> I'm going to cry here, but thank you so much. It's really nice of you guys. Totally got me at a lot of words. Yeah. He enjoyed it so much. And I know he enjoyed it before. I know we had talked about it before. I got him to go see it. Yeah. He really, truly loved it. He thanked me for watching it. But obviously in the months ahead, we worked on other stuff. We talked about other stuff. And to come back after this, after what, maybe six weeks later, eight weeks later, something yeah. like that. And for him to put that where it was and to say the things that it was for him and how how it much it meant for him, I was even taken aback by it because yeah. I told him it, it was such a great film and, and he's obviously been affected by it as well. And 
you're hearing these stories, you're hearing these quotes, you're getting this stuff. I know not just from us, but I know from a whole lot of other people as well. Yeah, it's been it's been great. And I think the movie has aged well in the short couple short months it's been out. I hope it continues to age well. And I think I had a suspicion it would, because when we made the movie, I watched it, you know, a thousand times as we made subtle tweaks and kind of chiseled it into what it eventually became. And I tell you, like working on this movie, there was never once when it felt like work to sit through my own movie again. It never felt like work to have to kind of do another viewing and take more notes and kind of like chisel it out a little bit more and do some more cuts and make it right. It always, every single time I looked forward to it because it like the jokes never got old. The yeah. story never got old. The moments that kind of make your jaw drop never cease to make my jaw drop as a filmmaker. And it's a, it's a strange experience kind of experiencing that with the movie you make because in one sense it feels a very like self-grandizing or narcissistic to say this thing you created. You never get sick of watching it, but it's different with a documentary because the things that cause that response to me aren't things that came from my brain or the things we were fortunate enough to catch on camera from other people. Yeah. And there's things that, you know, in the room that people said, I couldn't believe I heard, I was here. I, you know, they touched me, they made me laugh, they caused this incredible response. And then seeing them on camera again and again and again, I just felt that, I felt that, I felt that. So the fact that my hope and my suspicion that this movie would live on and be more than just, you know, a one week kind of flash in the pan thing, is, is gratifying and, and, and really amazing to hear. And to be at the forefront of the inception of HBO Max, I mean, your movie oh, yeah. was something that you saw on ads everywhere. I know we talked about it at the time, but continue yeah. to be part of that equation to see the continual ads for this movie and how much beloved it was going to become. And the fact is, it's just the tip of the iceberg because I know you've heard by now, and I'm sure your movie is going to be affected by it, and that is the decision for HBO Max to go ahead and day and date all the movies or at least all the major releases that they have coming for 2021. Yeah. I'm not sure as they, on a director end of it, I understand either which way, but you can say with all the new eyes, because they're playing catch up right now with the rest of the streaming services. And at this point in time, you're going to have to go ahead and say, you know what, we got to go ahead and catch up because we're behind right now when it comes to Disney Plus well, they're new. and Netflix. They're, they're, they're yeah. new. You know, they're, yeah, they're yeah. not mature. And they needed Netflix. something to get like this yeah. to get those subscriptions. That means a whole lot more eyes on your product. Yeah. And even the past couple of weeks, I've noticed a huge uptick in social mentions and Facebook posts and, and, and attention and, and subsequently, I'm sure, eyeballs on the movie because HBO Max just came to Roku a couple of days ago. And yeah. that right there, you know, suddenly uh, a huge number of folks who, who wouldn't have had access to it before now can watch it. And so it's been really fun kind of experiencing the second wave, so to speak, as, as more people are able to see the movie and experience it and have it be new for them. And that's just so fun. That's so, so fun. I'm sure once like all these other big movies coming out next year, hit HBO Max, there'll be more people who maybe they sign up to see Dune or something and they click through and they see Class Action Park and, they, and, and it brings a smile to them. I think it's really fun that the first of these big movies is Wonder Woman 1984 because that's kind of an 80s movie as well. And I think it kind of opens up an opportunity for kind of a fun 1980s themed double feature viewing night for folks. So that I can imagine there'll be, you know, yeah, a nice kind of pregame with Class Action Park leading up to your main events with the or other way around. Maybe maybe they can be the, the lead into us. But a nice 80s theme movie night to be had. Well, again, you deserve all the praise for everything that your movie has done for a lot of people out there this year because it's been one of the highlights in cinema for this year. And I know 
again, you're going to be receiving a lot of praise for it as far as best of lists, not only from our stuff here at Pop Culture Cosmos, but also many outlets out there are going to be praising you right and left and because it is worth your time. It is Class Action Park. But I wanted you to go also as well before we head on out, remind people what Class Action Park is and what it means to you sure. and, yeah. and why they should check it out. Because like you said, it is a great double feature. Because it brings out the emotions, laughter, sadness, just yeah. strong emotions, just excitement. Just those things that actually what all these movies should be all about that are coming out these days. Yeah, sure. If you're listening right now and you are not familiar with Class Action Park, you're probably a little confused. So it's it's our documentary about Action Park. Action Park was an absolutely infamous amusement and water park in New Jersey from the late 70s to the mid-90s, you know, throughout all the 1980s primarily, that earned a reputation rightfully so, for being the most insane, the most, most lawless, the most crazed, the most bizarre, most fun perhaps, but also the most dangerous amusement park that probably ever existed, a place that had rides that really strained one's imagination, the fact that these things actually existed, things that looked like doodles from a Looney Tunes cartoon or like from The Simpsons, really brought the life. And the park itself was run by very young children, for the most part, with very minimal training. And the patrons who came to the park came there knowing that there were really no rules. And this place served a lot of alcohol and they could do whatever they want. So they came with this idea of just, you know, kind of like the purge, just getting all this aggression out in the worst possible way. And all kind of added up to this very notorious safety record and just this level of infamy that really has lasted through the decades to the point where the park itself kind of became a little bit of an urban legend and a myth where a lot of people, even people who went there, have a hard time believing all this stuff actually happened, all this is real. But what was amazing about Action Park and about making this movie was as we dug into it, as we researched, as we spoke to people, as we did our work, it became clear that not only were all of these fantastical stories we'd heard rumors of true, but the truth itself was, was even crazier. And we wanted to bring that to life. And we wanted to bring it to life in a way that walked a very, I think, tightrope, walked a fence, because to many people, Action Park was a place of immense joy, immense freedom, important memories, a place where they came of age. But to many other people, it was a place of immense sadness and even death. And it was about how these two feelings, these two experiences could really coexist within the same place. And, and we kind of did it within a sort of the language of a 1980s movie, something like Goonies or Stand By Me or whatever. And one of the things that became very intriguing to us as we made the movie was how a lot of these movies about kind of like latchkey kids going on adventures, running around, there's this kind of hidden darkness to them, sort of felt like, you know, like a lot of these kids who might have gone to these adventures in real life, or even in the movies, didn't survive. They didn't come out the other side. Not every Goonie would live if it was true. And we wanted to kind of build up that feeling of excitement that you would have if you're watching something like Goonies, and then really kind of shine a light onto the, the reality of the situation and kind of using the language of 1980s movies to do that. One of my good friends is Rob McCallum, who's also a documentary director who's done several documentaries and docuseries. And his most infamous one is Nintendo Quest. And Nintendo Quest for him is something that even five years later still gets the random, hey, you did such a great job. I just checked this out on Amazon, yada, 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 which I think five years from now, Class Action Park is going to be, hey, I just saw this on HBO Max. I know it's five years old, but you guys did such a great job. You and your co-director, Chris Charles Scott, did a great job on this. I can't wait to see what you else you guys did. That's what I want to know. Is there sure. something that you guys got in the works? And 
How do you avoid the pitfalls of having such a successful outing as Class Action Park and not falling into those tropes of, you know, like other directors that have tried to go ahead and, and just do too much and unfortunately falls a little bit short? So, you know, there's things I can say and there's things I can't say about what's next. But I will say that my next project, I think, is even more exciting than Class Action Park. It's a, it's a subject that I've been obsessed with for many years, as I have with the story of Action Park. And I think to make a really great movie in the documentary space especially, you really need to know it inside out and live it and breathe it and drink it and sleep it to the point where it's like a fractal. All the sides become apparent and you begin to see the hidden truths and you begin to understand the meanings and the themes and the relationships between people that may not be obvious, especially if somebody has just kind of have a cursory familiarity with the story. But it's a story, I, I unfortunately can't tell you guys what it is, but it's one I've been obsessed with for many years at this point. And when I spend many years kind of piecing together all of the pieces, the I think tell it in a full way for the first time. And it's something I'm beyond excited to do. It's something that is, I think, even more, we'll just say action-packed than Class Action Park. And I will say, though, is if Action Park is sort of a movie that is in many ways kind of an homage and uses, as I said, the language of 1980s movies. This does that for 1990s movies. I kind of view it in many ways sort of as a spiritual sequel in that regard in term, as I kind of hop through the decades. So fortunately, I can't say more, but I'll make sure you guys are some of the first to, to hear about when we can. We would be honored to be part of that, both yeah. you and Charles. Is Charles co-directing with you? This time no, around? no. This, this was a project I've been working on before we actually made Class Action Park together. It's been a, a, a long, slow burn. We're finally uh -oh. ready to make it. Yeah. Hey, no worries, no worries. Like I said, Rob McCallum, you know, of all of his projects, some of them come up right away. Some of them, like you said, yeah. are a slow burn and just some of those things that you want to do. But for some reason or another, it just takes a little bit longer to get to, you finally to print, to celluloid, to finally to, to screens. And, yeah. you know, that just it just happens like that. So no, you, no worries. You need a lot of patience to make movies. It's not easy to, to, to get it done, I'll tell you. It's a field that rewards the patient. It's a field I think that rewards people who work hard and people who really just persist, for lack of a better term. You know, every when I was making Class Action Park, I mean, putting that thing together, there's so many moments when you feel like this is all going to fall apart or something's going to happen or whatever. You're not going to get what you want. And then when you finally do, just the immense release and the immense, immense relief that comes from that is, is just unbelievable. It's such a thrill, I think, especially when you're dealing with reality, when you're dealing with documentaries, because you know people are trusting you with their stories and you just don't have too much control at the end of the day about what people are going to do or say or what exists out there in terms of things like archival footage. And finding a story that where all the pieces kind of fall together just right and everything kind of clicks. And these people who aren't in the room together say things that complement each other and build up into a whole it's really magical it's really amazing and it's something really special to be a part of and i, I say like be a part of because if i was say writing directing and producing a scripted film i would feel like there's nobody to blame or to take credit for it than, than oneself but when you make a documentary it is a collaborative process it's collaborative with your subjects and you know everybody who chose to open up to us in class action park i'm grateful for them like the movie would be nothing without them well, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Would love to have you back on just to talk about that. Anytime. Uh, one quick question before we go, and that is this. Has the success of Class Action Park gone to my started? head? You have no idea. No. I'm just, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, that too, but has yeah. it started to open up some doors for you? As far sure, as sure, 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 sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think if you make a movie that people like, it's a lot easier to make another movie. It just is. You know, it's it's an industry and it's a, it's a field 
that it should be a surprise to nobody that it's really hard to make a movie to get one finished and to get it out there to the world in a way that people will actually see it. It's, I mean, it's like winning the lottery, like in Strike by Lightning. It's, it's just such a difficult thing, no matter how much talent, no matter how much perseverance you have, it takes some luck. And it, it takes things that are out of your control at the end of the day. And to do it once is amazing. But of course, it, it gives me opportunity to hopefully do it again. And, you know, it, I loved making Class Action Park. It was the experience of a lifetime. It was the thrill of a lifetime. It was the joy, the privilege, pleasure, all of these superlatives. Like, I, I mean, everything about it. I go to sleep at night and just can't believe I was a part of this project. Like, I'm so grateful. And I'm grateful that it's going to give me an opportunity, I think, to tell other stories that I feel are as exciting and will touch people in the same way as Class Action Park did. I'll tell you what, I wish you continued success. You're Thank off you. to a great start here. HBO Max, a lot of people are going to be seeing it in the not too distant future. So be prepared for a lot of random people coming yeah. up to you, either on email, social media, what have you, and telling you how wonderful it is, because it is one of the best films of 2020, rest assured by anyone who sees it. And that is Class Action Park. It is at the top of Josh's list when it comes to the best of pop culture Thank you, 2020. Josh. Thank you, Josh. It is right now available on HBO Max. If you signed up already in anticipation for Wonder Woman 1984, there's no better way to prep for it by going ahead and checking out Class Action Park. Like Seth said, it's a very 80s-themed movie. Yeah. You just got to go and check it out. It is, again, Class Action Park, one of the best films of 2020. Check it out today on HBO Max. And Seth Porges, we truly appreciate you coming back on the program. We wish you and also as well your co-director, Chris Charles Scott, all the success in the world for not only the continued success with Class Action Park, but all your endeavors, both you and him. And we wish both of you a safe and happy holiday as well. You too. Thank you for having me. Happy to come back anytime. All right. Absolutely. Looking forward to whatever you've got in store for us in the future right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. And I cannot thank enough Seth Porges, co-director of Class Action Park, for appearing on today's show. Please, if you've not caught Class Action Park, even if you're not from the 80s, even if you can't relate to the 80s, it's still something you definitely need to see because it is just so emotional and just so funny, gasping as far as you can't believe all this stuff went on. I think it's a microcosm of what the carefree attitude and all the things that went on in the 1980s. Even if you're not familiar with Action Park, please go check out Class Action Park today on HBO Max. Before we head on out, Josh, it's time for predictions for 2021 for the happy Josh here. So what's on your plate for 2021, my friend? All right, just a few things I'm excited about. 
One being that 2021 is like our first soiree into the release of these new games that are exclusively for this next generation of consoles, right? We have come the fall season, we have Halo Infinite coming out, and this is really going to decide the future of the Halo franchise. And really, like, this is Microsoft's flagship property. So I'm really excited to play this game, especially with the open world aspects to keep talking about. And knowing that they're making this for last-gen consoles as well, as they clarified earlier in the week, just kind of makes me wonder if it's going to suffer from the cyberpunk problem where, you know, we're going to have a bunch of issues coming out at the gate here. Next one I got here is the Justice League Snyder Cut. So, you know, we just got done talking about Wonder Woman, and I know Zack Snyder and his wife were heavily involved in the production of that movie. And uh, Patty Jenkins? Yeah, had said that she wanted her Wonder Woman to exist in Zack Snyder's universe as opposed to the one that Joss Whedon created in that Justice League version. So it's it's cool to know that, like, all these people that have been working on this thing thus far do support Zack Snyder's vision. And it gives me more hope for maybe a Justice League Part 2. And we'll see, maybe we'll see more things coming out the gate there as far as, you know, Man of Steel 2 is concerned. Next, I got the Mass Effect remaster. You know, we've talked about this at length. Really excited about this game. Stranger Things Season 4. I'm excited about this. I don't know if you've read about all like the new cast additions that have happened during the quarantine. It's making me concerned about like how busy it's going to be. I'm really excited about the show. Love the show. I feel like we've gone too long without new episodes of Stranger Things. But I also have this fear now that's going to suffer from, you know, the old Spider-Man thing where there's too many things happening on the screen at once. Next, I got Atari VCS 800. So do you remember we had heard about this? We went to E3 back in 2017. Yes, uh, they had been talking about this for so long and the release date just keeps getting pushed back and pushed I back. I still get the press releases. Uh, yeah, same. So I'm like, I'm wondering now at this point if it's even real. It was supposed to drop December 14th and that didn't happen. And now there's no new release date for it. So I'm curious now, is, is this thing real? Is it something that is going to materialize here soon? If Atari is really wanting back in the console game, they're not like cultivating a lot of faith in their product time to release video games would have been this year especially with everything going on and people are stuck at home and you've seen the video game industry one of the few industries to actually profit from what's gone on in 2020 yeah yeah so it's just it's it's baffling me because there are people who want this thing they're just not putting it out so it just makes me wonder like what's going on is it something are they just going to scratch it after they had all that funding i don't know atari fell apart so easily before so who's to say it wouldn't happen a second time All right, moving on here. I got Hellboy's return. So somehow like this happened back in August or October. Hellboy came back. Hellboy died in Hellboy in Hell. That was his last like comic book arc. And then he just started making new Hellboy comics. I just discovered this like maybe four or five weeks ago. So they haven't said like how he's back yet. So I imagine as the new issues come out in 2021 that we're going to get backstory on what exactly happened to him. But I'm excited. I love standalone stories like Hellboy has these standalone arcs. I do. I will read Marvel and DC stuff. That's kind of more standalone. But yeah, really excited about Hellboy coming back. Finally, a day to remember. I don't know if anyone's fans out there of this band or the metalcore genre or post hardcore, as you call it. But a day to remember. They have not dropped an album since 2016's Bad Vibrations. And they were one of those bands that kind of seemed like they were going to call it quits. And now they're they're coming back. So anyone who grew up in the early 2000s emo screamo scene like there's going to be a big day when this album comes back because i don't know if you've ever listened to the album common courtesy but it feels like going home and i'm really excited about this album 
I'm sure there are other things coming out in 2021 that I'm really excited about. But, you know, like I told you before the show, with all the uncertainty revolving around COVID and, you know, politics and all that, I don't know what's going to happen. So these are the things that I, I'm hoping for sure are going to happen. But there's a lot more that I'm sure I will be excited about once more permanent things are said about them. With Hellboy, obviously the movie just basically fell on flat in its face. Mm -hmm. Would it have been a better idea to go and make it into a series? So that's an interesting idea. Like, I feel like that would be a cool, like, HBO Max series or even a Netflix series. Yes, because Hellboy is something that it took them, I want to say, at least probably a good 40 or 50 issues to, like, fully flesh out his story. And, you know, there's so many things that kind of live in that world, the BPRD, right? And you have Sir Edward Grey, Witchfinder, you have Lobster Johnson, you have the goon, like you have all these characters that live in this very vibrant, I guess you call it Mignola verse because it's written by Mike Mignola. But yeah, I mean, I think that it would really do great as a show. And that could be something that could really find the interest of people it just it bums me out that the movie was so bad because it was being made by somebody who had no appreciation for the comic books and that kind of kills me so yes i would hope that'd be revived as a series but who's to say at this point man but maybe hellboy will get a return someday but i think it's going to be a little bit of a period of time before people will go ahead and want to go back to hellboy simply because of the fact that the last movie fell so hard on its face but I am looking forward to a lot of what Josh is looking forward to, including Halo Infinite, Justice League Snyder Cut, the Mass Effect remaster. You know I'm looking forward to that one. Stranger Things Season 4, Atari VCS 800, if it ever comes out. He's also looking forward to Hellboy's return in the comics and a Day to Remember's new album. So we want to hear your thoughts out there on what you're looking forward to in 2021. We'd love to share it on the show. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com or also as well PopCultureCosmos on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You can go ahead and share it to us on social media. We'd love to hear your thoughts anytime in the comments. We'll go ahead and be happy to share your thoughts on what you're looking forward to in 2021. And speaking of that, I'm going to be sharing what I'm looking forward to in 2021 coming up on the Friday show either with Josh or Marcus. I think it's going to be Marcus because he's the traveling man right now. So I think he'll be back to go ahead and talk about it because we still haven't heard his best in pop culture for 2020. So definitely want to hear what he has to say as it will be dropping. Guess when, Josh? In the new year in 2021. So I'm looking forward to that as the PC Multiverse drops next year. But my friend, it's been a great episode. Once again, want to give big props again to our good friend, Seth Porges, co-director of Class Action Park, our number one movie here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But any last thoughts on the way out? Yeah, I'm going to do some shameless self-promotion here. If you guys have not had a chance to read Congratulations, You Suck, it is on sale right now at amazon.com for $13 and there are about five copies left i'm sure they'll order more if you guys buy these pick it up please let me know your thoughts on it i'd be incredibly grateful for any feedback leave a review it's garnered positive reviews but you know i'm i'm always looking for feedback and i've put a lot of heart and soul into this work and for $13 it's kind of a bargain as opposed to the $20 price range it was at before so Pick it up. I greatly appreciate it. And then let me know what you think about it. I'll give it a negative review right now for you. 
It's not. It's not long enough, man. It's not long enough. (laughs) It's all good. Needs needs more pages. Another. Yes, needs more pages. No, no, just kidding. I'm just congratulations. You suck again. Yes, no, no, no. It's it's actually a a really great book. I did have an opportunity to check it out over the past couple months since I got it. So yes, it's you know I'm still waiting for that press copy he was supposed to send me, but. So I went ahead and got it, and I'm just going to say great things about it. I've enjoyed my time with it, and I hope you will too. It is Congratulations, You Suck on sale right now. Please go get it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble as well. My friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough as always being part of it. Everyone who took the time to watch and listen to today's program. Again, I will be back with Marcus or Josh for the Friday show in the new year. Plus, we're going to be dropping a PCC Extra on Wednesday featuring no Ian Fine, Ryan John Tombasco, and Jessica Box from the TV Ratings Guide. So look for that wherever you get your podcasts. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Here at the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, we make every show from the finest ingredients. Juicy interviews, fiery film nights, delicious desert island DVDs. And pack it all into a slice of life in every episode. Order up our specials now from your delivery guys. Shine from Canada. Dan from Kent in the UK. And Paul from near Liverpool in the UK. Here on the ESO Network. The Cosmic Pizza Podcast. Serving you a slice of life. Mm -mm. I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cletus Jacobs. Join us this winter as we watch changes in the DC Universe unfold. We'll keep you informed on DC News, we'll review the future state event, and of course, we'll be talking the Arrowverse shows when they return this January. Thanks for letting us be a part of your DC Comics journey, and thanks for listening to the Earth Station DCU podcast. Part of the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.